Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Just for Freedom of Space. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, this is Leslie Gist. Uh, This show is a show that was created just as a result of the election. I have Mr. Roy Paul, a politician, and young and a young man, a young man that's still in high school, Mr. Zion Decatur, and I'm going to have them come on the line and they'll take over the show. Well, let's start with the youngest guest slash host. Mr. Zion, could you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, good evening. I'm Zion Decoto. I go to Star Early College High School at Erasmus in Brooklyn. And I've been following the election in the last lap last night. Wonderful. And Roy, who was one of the youngest elected officials in the state of New York, could you introduce yourself? Hello, Roy Paul, uh, Democratic strategist, former school board member, and candidate for the New York State Assembly. Okay. Now... Last night, or early, early this morning, we learned the results of election 2016. What time did you learn, or what time did you come to grips that Donald Trump would be winning the election? Let's start off with you, Mr. Zion. Well, uh, I had anticipated that it was going to be a long night. Um, I remember in the the 2012 election, they had called it sometime after 11, but it was still 12 after midnight, and they they were still going. And then I was still up 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, too close to call. There were five states Hillary needed, one state Trump needed. So I went to bed, and little did I know that about maybe 15 minutes after I decided to turn off the TV that Trump had been elected. So I had gotten up at about... Uh, 6 o'clock this morning, a little bit like 5.50-ish, and then I turned on the news, and I saw it. Donald Trump elected U.S. president, and I changed it to CNN. I changed it to Channel 7 to confirm that, and there it was, and that was a wrap. Did you ever believe or ever come to any kind of resolution or understanding or acceptance that he was going to win prior to the announcement? Or did you hold no, up? because I, I, listening to some of the reporters last night, I don't even think they thought Trump was going to win. I didn't think Clinton thought she was going to lose. And I don't think Trump thought he was going to win last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but same question regardless, yeah. Roy? I kept on Channel 7, and it didn't look good as they were calling out the 
states that were battleground states, Florida, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. And at about 11, 12, it still didn't look good. At around 1, 1.30, I found myself dozing off to go to sleep voluntarily. And I remember hearing President-elect Donald Trump. But at that time, since I was in such a fog, I thought I was dreaming. And then I came to it a little after two, and that's what they were reporting. And that's when I realized, holy crap, country actually just elected this man president of the United States of America. And then I immediately began to think of what this meant, what my friends would think I have some very strong Hillary supporters who had been with her prior to the presidential run in 2008 who were with her in the Senate. And I said, wow, I wonder what they must be thinking and feeling. I started to think about my black and brown friends across the country who were adamantly opposed to a Donald Trump presidency for what it meant, forgetting all the other factors, but for law and order in this country. Donald Trump was a huge proponent and is a proponent of stop and frisk and a lot of predatory practices against black and brown people across the country. So I knew that it would immediately change the course of the conversation that we were going to have that morning and certainly the next day. But I like the other tier. I didn't think that this is something that we were going to see. I along with everyone else, because I'm, I'm helpless and, and not doing polling myself, I listened to what the pundits said, and they pretty much got it right for the most part. Since uh, that night, going through the primaries, they called the right states. They knew who were going to win. They, they had their finger on the pulse. And why not disbelieve what they were saying? So they said that mm-hmm. they were battleground states like Florida, Pennsylvania, and Hillary Clinton were winning three, four, five points ahead of election night. So I thought that in the states that Donald Trump needed to win in order to pull out a Hail Mary, Hillary Clinton was pretty comfortably in the lead. But I I guess we were all fooled. And you mentioned a a term that he uh, used throughout his campaign. He wanted to be like Nixon. or He he, he has decided he's going to follow Nixon's footsteps and be a law and order president. When I hear him speak of being a law and order president, the first time I realized that he was on that course was back during the Central Park Five. And I'll let you explain this, um, Roy, how we who have been following Trump understand that this is not rhetoric about him wanting to be a law and order president this is something he's deeply rooted and committed to. Well, Donald Trump had been known for being a business mogul. However, he sort of made it his um, part of his persona to be involved in a lot of public policy positions. He would talk about the war. He would talk about police policies. Uh, he was very commonly someone who people knew of as, uh, sort of a quasi-elected official. You you wouldn't have known that this man had been a business mogul, a, a real estate entrepreneur. 
because a lot of his public stances had been in way of public policy. So he was very knee-deep in terms of the public consciousness. For one way or another, I don't know what possessed him to do it. But with the Central Park Five case in particular, he felt compelled when he didn't have a public role to do so, uh, be very vocal about the need for uh, not just um, a lot of the police practices that were going on, but taking a very vocal role against the Central Park Five themselves. For those who don't remember, Central Park Five were uh, black boys who were in Central Park one night. Um, a rape happened, a massive rape happened, and these young teenagers at that time were in the park. They were charged with the crime and were coerced into confessing to a crime that we now know they did not commit. But there were certain people, including the victim at the time, actually, who would not believe that these young men did not commit the crime. They were absolutely convinced that they had done it. Donald Trump was very vocal against it because there was a huge public outcry against the Central Park because they wanted someone to be convicted. And he would go as far as to take out full-page newspaper ads condemning not just the Central Park Five, but the law enforcement for how they handled the crime. Even years later when it was proven because of a confession that someone else had committed the crime, which then produced DNA uh, to exonerate the men, people like Donald Trump were still barking the horn that these young men had to have committed this brutal rape. And that was in face of confessions and DNA. So there was absolutely nothing changing his mind and the mind of the accuser that these young black men did it, even though all reasonable assumptions had been made to determine that that was not the case. Even after that happened, when Mayor de Blasio assumed uh, the mayoralship, there was a lot of talk and pressure on settling the lawsuit that the Central Park Five had taken out against the city of New York and the police department. And even then, Donald Trump, who was toying with the, the idea of running for president, was still against the Central Park Five and remained loyal to his stance that they had committed that brutal crime even years, decades later. So stop and frisk being a separate issue that he also supported because he said there's a lot of crime, there's a lot of crime. All right, I'm not going to imitate him. I do a horrible job. But there's a lot of crime, and we have to get the crime off the streets. And the stop and frisk practices, which in court, all right, this is what a judge ultimately determined, was stereotypically stopping and frisking young African-American men and Latino men in disproportionate numbers in communities of color. Disproportionately, Donald Trump, in face of that, still claimed that this was a brilliant policy to help get crime off the streets. Disregarded the judge's remarks and the findings of the court, and still said, without any independent investigation or corroboration on his own, this is not a man who has ever walked the streets of any minority community to determine what would be the safe practices for African Americans and Latinos. But decided wow. in his own mind that this policy was the best way to prevent crimes in inner cities. Um, Zion, you're a teenager, and the Central Park Five 
um, victims, which are the young men who were wrongfully accused, were around your age. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump took out four full-page ads in four different newspapers. Yeah. Uh, requesting, demanding that the death penalty be returned. Penalty be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If he had gotten his way, those young men would be dead today. Now that you heard who he is, and Roy so eloquently explained it, you tell me, as a young African-American man in America today, the day after you learned this man is going to be your president, how do you feel? I mean, it's it's shocking at this point, to, to say the least. I did not expect it to happen. Uh, everyone said Clinton was going to win. All the polls went towards Clinton, so... I mean, I, I'm just surprised, and it was a gloomy, mm-hmm. cloudy day today. There was a there's a hushed tone, a bit of a shock amongst everyone today. So, I think this is the sentiment for right now, and it will be probably for the rest of the week. So, let's see what happens in the next four years. Uh-huh. Um, is this election is is his presidency going to change? Um your outlook or any courses of action that you may have decided to take? Not really. I think that his presidency may not affect me on a personal level, God willing, but on an abstract level, it may be, it'll be bad for the the country. But let's, let let me not say that now. Let's see what happens in the next four years. But life goes on. Politics Mm -hmm. is politics. The president is a president. Okay, um, and Roy, this has taught me how important it is to double down on organizing efforts to make sure that people get out and vote, even if that means on Election Day mobilizing volunteers and staffers to get out and drag people out of their homes. The one thing we know is that the rise of Trump's victory is in two parts. One, yes, there were a lot of people in rural areas who came out to vote in record numbers, okay? Especially older white men. We know that because of exit polling. But we also know that Hillary Clinton underperformed in major cities where there's large pockets of African Americans, Philadelphia and Detroit being the number one area. Detroit had the lowest turnout of African Americans since President Obama's election. She underperformed in that key demographic. Why that is? Well, because she didn't really have a clear message. They didn't want to vote for her because she wasn't Barack Obama. And there's a lot of reasons probably why they didn't vote. But above that is the need to organize and make sure that you get people out on Election Day, finding out who they are, and getting them out. And I am even now more committed to encouraging and supporting minorities in particular, male and female, to get out and to run for office. On the local level, we saw that President, now Donald Trump, did something that not even the Republican establishment thought he was going to be able to do. And that is he carried beneath him Republican strongholds for the Senate, for Congress, for state Senate. I had a friend of mine, Dwight Bullard, who was a state senator in what was a 50-50 leaning district in the state house, uh, the, the state senate in Florida, right above Miami, 
And he lost. He is an incumbent. Lost the state senate seat to someone who benefited from the Trump effect. Okay, so <laughs> Trump, the Trump mm. effect. Now we know it is a the, you know trumped up, trickle down effect. It worked. Okay, so we now know mm. that this had devastating effects across the board in the state of Pennsylvania. There was a state mm-hmm. senate seat that had been Democratic for the last thirty something years. A Republican had had the seat traditionally. 32 years prior to yesterday, that Republican, because of the Trump effect, regained control for the Republicans in Pennsylvania. So Uh there were devastating historic effects all the way down the ballot that Donald Trump can be uh, held responsible for. And by the way, he did that against the wishes of the Republican Party. Rance Priebus. Uh Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House. These are people who even on election day refused to support Donald Trump. And effectively what this guy did in rewriting history, he he rewrote history on his own, and he said, I'm going to screw the Democrats, I'm going to screw the Republican Party, I'm going to go on this on my own, I'm going to appeal to the whitest of the whitest and the malest of America, and I'm going to win. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what he did. When you have Marco Rubio, who won re-election in the state of Florida, not endorsing Donald Trump, and he mm-hmm. still went Florida. Well, yeah, it is devastating. And, and you know, historically speaking, African Americans um, always had a last resort whenever we uh, sought justice. And we always would take things all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, these are hundreds of blacks, enslaved people fighting for their liberty prior to the Dred Scott um, decision. Black people, just with the signature of an X, can't, you know, illiterate black enslaved people exercise their rights, their constitutional rights. With President Trump, as the President of the United States, he may be able to uh, choose the next four Supreme Court justices. So with the Republicans running the Supreme Court, the Congress, and the White House as a politician, what does that look like when you think about the route African Americans have always taken to to gain political justice and equality. Well, with respect to the Supreme Court, it's over. It's over. You're going to have the most conservative Supreme Court, not just in this coming term, because he has one immediate replacement, but he's going to have control over the majority of the seats that make up the Supreme Court. That is going to take decades to replace and fix, okay, because their lifetime appointments, and once he appoints them, they will be the forever, and many of them, on average, serve 10 to 15 years. So that's going to live beyond his presidency, the conservativeness of the Supreme Court as we know it. It's, it's over. With respect to policies, I hope and pray that the seriousness of the position of the United States presidency really affects Trump in a profound way particularly when he starts talking about repealing and replacing Obamacare. What we see now with Obamacare is 20 million people, 2-0-M, 
people who did not have health insurance prior to Obamacare who now have health insurance. If you start breaking that down, that goes across ages, that goes across spectrums. What we find deeply entrenched in that are people who years prior to were not treated for their medical systems that now have access to stabilizing and maintaining their health status, who now are in jeopardy of going back to not having health insurance to maintain or stabilize their health, their health status. You have epidemics wow. in that. Heroin epidemics, crack, cocaine epidemics, who were treated for their symptoms. People who had HIV AIDS, who were being treated for their diseases, who prior to were on their deathbed, had no ability to pay for their health care, who now are a part of that 20 million people who had access to health insurance, who now stand in jeopardy of going back in the emergency lines, faking their names, putting in fake social security numbers to make sure that they can get benefits from the system where prior to they wouldn't have access. So I really hope that Donald Trump starts to look at what he's going to start doing. Talk about immigration. All right, forget building a stupid wall. Forget the stupid wall because the wall idea is very stupid. Talk about the deportation of millions of people who are in this country who have reproduced, have kids in this country now, who are illegal citizens because once you produce a child on U.S. soil, they are citizens no matter where you come from, the parents. So now you've got a lot of problems. How are you going to deport millions of parents, kids legally in this country who are U.S. citizens? Where are the kids going to go when you deport the parents? We have some Uh very serious problems that he has claimed he had answers to fix, and we have not seen any detailed plan. This is the first president in the history of the United States of America who was elected not just with no detailed plan. His surrogates have no detailed plan. Giuliani, Chris Christie, his campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway. No one ever gave any details or specifics. And he never produced his tax returns. Mm-hmm. We well, don't let, know let, where let, his personal investments are. I mean, not to use a hyperbole here, but I called yesterday the Republican Revolution because they took a lot of states. They won some mm-hmm. uh, congressional races there, and they were able to get the majority in both houses. I mean, if Donald Trump gets a conservative justice on the Supreme Court, plus he is able to pass some uh, bills with a Republican Congress smoothly, then, I mean, some people have said there's going to be, quote, one branch of government. So he may have a clear path to doing some of the things he wants to do. So um, knowing the history of uh, African-American history, where we had the Brown versus the Board of Education, where you, you mentioned you went to Erasmus School, that's the school where my husband graduated from. Um, all of these things that you benefit from personally really came because of a hard-fought battle that we had to take all the way to the court. Yeah. There's some noise. Okay. Roy mentioned a lot of things that are going on and that will affect um, people in general but mainly African-Americans. He's talking about stop and frisk, you know, things like stand your ground. And we are we are feeling, feeling the, um, the repercussions of these types of um, policies. What what kind of recourse of action plan do you see in, in, in your future? Well, 
I don't believe the next four years are going to be beneficial to people of color at all. Uh, I don't know if their communities are going to be completely shaken up by what's about to happen or remain static, but I can tell you with this presidency, uh, especially with the whole Supreme Court issue, passing laws like stop and frisk and with issues like massive harassment. Yeah, so I don't know if the next four years are going to be beneficial in a sense. Well, that's a very concise answer, but we'll we'll take it and we'll move on. Now, uh, Roy, you were alluding to how dumb Americans are to have voted for someone who has no experience. Um, you know, he was a reality a reality um, host, TV host. He makes he makes up his own words as as he goes along. Uh, one such such as Bigly that he's going to win Bigly. Uh, you know he has uh, issues with court cases where women are saying that he touched them inappropriately. He has admitted to doing these things in conversations. Um, we heard the the tapes of him using vulgar language, discussing how he commits these acts. Uh, we have his wife, who who has taken pictures in the nude with other women. Um, we have his university being sued. I think there's about 75 lawsuits that he's involved with right now. And yet, you have Americans, and Roy, you stated that the rural white men came out of the woods to vote for him. What does this say about America? What does this happen? You know, what are people thinking about us on a global level when they see this man with all this, this, his life is an open book, and yet America has decided that he's qualified to be the president? Well, first I want to apologize apologize first of all because um, I did not mean to allude that there was people who were stupid enough to elect Donald Trump to the presidency. I thought that that was a foregone conclusion. I want to be very, very specific. The election of Donald Trump is a very stupid thing. So I just want to make sure that I make that clear. I don't want to allude to it. I want it to be very clear. It, it, it tells you that this whole slogan, make America great again, you got to dissect what that actually means. Donald Trump masterfully came up with the slogan that as soon as people heard it, made people think to themselves, make America great again. What does that really mean to white rural America? Make America great again. And then he starts talking about illegal immigration. And we got to get those rapists and murders out of this country. And we need a full ban on Muslims entering the country. We're going to make America great again. When you start hearing things like that, and you're a white man sitting up in Arkansas, sitting up in Wisconsin, and you're at your fireplace and you hear, make America great again, or in your trailer, and you hear, make America great again, you say to yourself, you call up John and Bob and Billy, and you say, better get out and vote for that man. Mm-hmm. Because it talks mm-hmm. about a time in this country 
when we only catered to the colonials. We only catered to the Caucasians. And who was in control? White men. And so when they say, oh, the white men came out of everywhere, every nook and cranny and voted for him, many of whom had never voted before. Right. You had some crackers sitting up in Wisconsin who never even voted for president, came out and voted for this man in record numbers. What does it say about the electorate? It says that people who were not on the voting rolls, people who we didn't even know existed, don't exist. They exist and they care about their liberties as it relates to what they know America to be, which is about white supremacy. And when we understand what that means, the David Dukes of the world, who will stand up publicly and say, all of my people in the Klan are voting for Donald Trump. That's how he won Mississippi. This uh-huh. is not me. This is David Duke. David Duke will get up at a press conference and say, the people in my Klan, he's talking about the KKK, by the way. That's his Klan. They voted uh-huh. for Donald Trump. That's how he won Mississippi. That's how he won uh-huh. Alabama. And when they show up with hoods <laughs> and white markings on their foreheads, these are not people who cared about voting before. These are people who did what they did behind their sheds, in their backyards. Who said, oh, damn, who cares about those people? But when Donald Trump said, make America great again, they said, oh, we got to get out and vote for this mo now. We got to get out. And that's what they did. And we underestimated mm-hmm. the pollsters, everybody underestimated how many of those people actually live in this country. We forgot that in certain parts of white America that there were a lot more White men who were older who remember what America Great Again means, who would actually come out and vote for this true. man. It's true because so that's what that's know, what happened. The, the, right, the white media has a great way of hiding them. You don't see them on on the news when something happens. They don't go out and and interview them. They know how to hide them in the backwoods. They 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 hide these rural people, and they only show us the pop culture, what they wanted to see. And like you said, he went under every rock that he can find, Trump did, and to pull these people out, and they came out in droves, and it was shocking. But I have to tell you, um, in New Jersey, I traveled through some of the most um, affluent neighborhoods, and it shocked me to see so many Trump signs. So I knew around August that, more than likely he was going to win because it wasn't just in here in New Jersey, and I'm proud to say New Jersey, he did not win in New Jersey. But in some of these very affluent neighborhoods, you know, I saw the signs, but I was definitely shocked to see it in the affluent neighborhoods. So I I knew at that moment that um, he more than likely was going to win. And it's an embarrassment. And with that said, um, Let's talk about, because I'm not too down and out about what it means for black people. And I, and I say that because I know that we've been through slavery, the peculiar institution, which is the worst form of uh, social injustice on the planet in history ever. So that's where I come from. That's where most of us come from. We come from surviving those types of situations. So long as we're playing people and we're people of action and we seek justice, I, I have no problems with um, dealing with Trump or anything of that nature. 
However, I do have issues with what does a Trump presidency mean to the world and to our international allies and our new enemies that I think he will create and to the stock market. So let's shift this conversation over to what does this mean for terrorism in in America? What does it mean for um, the stock market? And um, what does it mean, you know, for our neighbors, our allies? Um, Zion, and Zion, I know you uh, you have West Indian roots, similar to, to Roy. So let's hear what you have to say first. But before you answer that, there's another call on the line. Let me see if I can add them. Area code 612. Yes, good evening, everyone. How are you doing? Fine, fine. We'll let you talk because I hear you on the, you're driving. So do you have any questions, comments? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you for having me on, by the way. And um, I just wanted to say I understand that people can get caught up in the whole this was um, a redneck, whatever, outburst. But in reality, let's actually analyze what took place. In places like Alabama, Mississippi, those are going to be red states anyway. So the turnout there was irrelevant. What one, what the reason why Trump won this thing last night, guys, was because of the trade issue, because he was against NAFTA and against the TPP, and that's what flipped Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin in his favor. Anyone who says anything otherwise is total BS. That's the entire election came down to that, and we know this if we go back to the primary when Hillary Clinton ran against Bernie Sanders. She was favored to win Michigan by more than 12 points. He ended up winning the state by a large market. Why? Because Bernie Sanders was on the same point talking about the trade issue, how NAFTA has devastated a lot of working-class people, especially in the manufacturing field, which is what was a huge part of places like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio's economy. So those people, a lot of them working-class Democrats, by the way, who in 2012 and 2008 voted overwhelmingly for Obama, came out and voted overwhelmingly for Trump. Why? Because of the economic stance. So what people need to understand is that's what it's about. It had this whole racial thing, this and that. That's fringe people on the fringe side. And about the KKK, this is something that the media played us all. You're right. You're right. And I just want to ask you a question. You mentioned the trade and the manufacturing and so uh, American companies. But, you know, his his ties, his uh, clothing line is made in out of the country. Nothing that he has done in the United States um, has proven that he has any allegiance to American workers. All right. Well, what I have to ask you, knowing that Trump, and I can't say it any softer or nicer, is a big liar. Um, and you know, he <laughs> and Hillary lied. Clinton's not? No, we're not talking about Hillary right now. We're just talking about uh, okay. Trump as a as a businessman. He lies through his teeth. I mean, he just uh, lied on Obama about the way Obama treated a protest or a heckler, knowing that these lies can be can, can be uncovered with just a matter of two two or three seconds on the internet. He still continues to lie. I don't understand how African Americans could trust someone who has 30, 40 years in the business to make these sort of relationships, to prove that um, he, 
really has an interest in black businessmen. He hasn't done it. And That's I, so I think easy. That, well, I just think that he's a, he is a businessman. There's other companies like Pepsi-Cola. They all have track records, state farms of working with the black community. He doesn't have any of it. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm very suspicious that he, he has paid people. Here in New Jersey, um, the Republicans, when uh, Whitman, Christy Whitman was elected, her um, campaign manager got drunk at one of their parties, and he had a slip of the tongue, and he explained how they won. So she beat Kane, Governor Kane, um, just the way Trump beat Hillary. And he made a mistake and told the, the public how he did it. He said he paid off the black bourgeoisie, mainly the black ministers. And the ministers got so upset that they wanted to sue a witness camp. So she fired him so they didn't sue him. So I think that Hillary used to pay off the black in, in New York, you know, pay, pay off the black ministers, throw money at them for grants for, for special interest groups, of Latino groups, yep. West Indian groups, you know, you, fo- you follow the money trail. They pay these people off. And I think because she's a wounded politician, she could, she could no longer afford to, to, you know, pay to play. And now Trump oh, is in uh, the same. Ma'am, that's not true. She, she's had more money than any presidential candidate in the history of American politics. She even beat what Obama had in 2008, which was a record at the time. And hey, I what, got a question for were, you. I got a question for okay. you. Why do you Go think ahead. Donald Trump never released his tax returns? Well, that's all. That's really obvious. Because if you look at what happened, he took advantage of the, uh, of the uh, depreciation provision, which basically is when you lose business in your operating costs, you can write. You can use that as a tax write-off. Anybody can do this. If you well, have that's no business, not the real reason because there was a leak of one of his tax return years, and we already discovered that. Why do you think there's another reason why he didn't release them? Well, that's the primary reason right there, which is because What's of the that tax reason? write-off. Hold up, because of that tax write-off, he didn't have. He didn't pay federal taxes probably at least 15 years because he had What's a nine billion dollar loss. Well, there is um, any other reason you would put forth is just speculation. You're just guessing at this point. <laughs> We're just going oh, off the so, so, you, so you don't wait a second. Hold on. You don't think we're allowed to speculate as to why he didn't release his tax returns over and well, above you, hold not up. paying federal taxes? You, you, can, you can speculate, but you have to base it on something. So right now, I made my position. I don't have to base it on anything. There was a long tradition of candidates for president releasing their tax returns. Donald Trump has had investments in foreign countries that no one knows yeah. about, that he doesn't want anybody to know about when he assumes office as the president. He will never release his tax returns. Okay, so how do you know that? Got because that's what everyone says. What are the reasons well, why he that? not have for releasing it? You go and you research, because you love to research, all of the leading pundits who have expert knowledge and the reasons why someone like him would release his tax returns, and the only thing they can think about are the investments that he has, possibly in foreign countries, oh that he doesn't gosh. want people to know about. I, listen, I, I, already, I already told you why he didn't release it. I know why. It's because, because of the depreciation provision he did in the 90s, he had a $963 million loss. Therefore, he didn't pay federal taxes probably for at least a decade. And he knew if he brought, if that was released, they were going to use but that we against him because... 
Because, hold up, that's, that's the first thing they did. Now, hold up, your point, ma'am, your point, ma'am, you just said it. You said pundits said that, meaning by that they speculated and guessed based on their own opinion, not based on evidence. They just assumed that might be one reason why also. So that's just no, that's nothing. That's just That would be like somebody making an accusation about you and then just saying, well, I, th- I think that might be the case, therefore it's true. How would you feel if somebody slandered you like that? That's ridiculous. I would produce my reports. So this is a perfect segue into the Putin connection. The Putin and all the hacking and the WikiLeaks and the Nixon and the Watergate and these types of um, shenanigans and threats is so un-American. So, you know, what do you have to say about if he's not going to release his tax returns as far as that? um, Yeah, let's go point by point because all of those are actually false statements. We can prove that. Number one, let's deal with the whole idea that Russia hacked the emails. That's actually been proven false. We know this as a fact. Both Julian Assange, who's the actual leader of WikiLeaks, and by the actual emails revealed by uh, John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, we know for a fact where, they, where, the, where the actual leaks came from. John Podesta received an email from the U.K. ambassador, and in that they were discussing where was the leak to all, who was getting all these emails and all this inside information to WikiLeaks. John Podesta was on record saying that the whole claim that Russia did it was false, that they just made that up for political purposes, but that it was actually from a Washington insider. And he actually knew the person. So this came from, in, this is an inside thing. Many people believe it actually came from people within the FBI. Well, listen, I don't know how I you don't understand that. I, I, I just watched A.J. Calloway um, just like a couple of days ago, and he interviewed Trump, and he showed Trump a clip of a previous interview with the same gentleman. And he said Putin was his friend. And now when he's on the show last week or earlier this week, he asked him the same question. He said, no, he doesn't know Putin. So when I said that your man is a liar, he is a big-time liar, and it, why would he need to lie, period? So, Zion, you're, you're a high school student. Oh, that's, that's easy because, is- because the media, first of all, back when he made that statement, at the time he didn't see any negative implications with trying to have a positive relationship with Russia. <laughs> but after, hold up, after the WikiLeaks thing came out, the way the Democrats try to spin it was they try to say, oh, this is Russia intervening, even though we've now found out that this, this was coming from the FBI and from Washington, D.C. So at that point, to try to save himself politically, he was trying to now distance himself from Russia, as if now it's actually it's almost like a bad thing to try to have a positive relationship with Russia. That's what happened. Okay. I mean, no, that's, that's really, that's, that's all it is. He was just, he's playing the same political games that every presidential candidate plays. Okay, Zion, what do you have to say about um, Trump not showing his tax returns. Everyone's suspicious that he's connected and getting money from foreign entities. You know, there's words out there that he owes a lot of money, so um, he's in debt. And, um, you know, so Zion, that what do you pe- have to pe- say? That people guessed. That people guessed. They didn't know. Do don't say it like it's a fact. All I'm saying is be okay. honest, ma'am, please. Okay, I'm going to try to be honest, but let the young man get a word in. Go ahead, Zion. On, on a number of points that uh, the gentleman spoke about, first, I would say that it is, su- it is suspicious uh, about the situation with these tax returns. But let me also say I do acknowledge Hillary was not the best candidate, and, but then again, Trump was a very subpar candidate. If you have so many great ideas that you can connect with uh, middle America and see them, then why can't you eloquate them? If, if you're being asked a question, we're going to do it and we're going to do it big is not an answer. I mean, bigly, not big, bigly. 
But as as a a person who would usually follow politics, I would define myself as an independent voter because I agree with the man. People often Mm -hmm. think that liberalism is, oh, this this great thing, but there are a lot of racist liberals there who believe that black people need um, them as whites to get out of their situation. So I agree with him in saying that. And I agree also that there there's a lot of liberal bias in the media. So a lot of the things that you see overly portrays um, Republicans as negatives, but rightfully so, they have done negative things as well. But the Democrats are guilty in that sense, too. But what I do have okay. to say is um, Trump, there are a lot of suspicious things about Trump, and especially that entire situation there with the, the, the tax returns. He was a subpar candidate and. I, I realize the economic factors behind why he was elected president, but then again, this man should not be the president of the United States. That, that, that's my opinion. Roy? Well, I mean, Donald Trump says he doesn't know Putin and he doesn't have a personal relationship with Putin. And I don't know if he knows Putin. I, I don't know what their relationship is. But what I do know, and these are experts, um, I wish I had a file and a source uh, for when they said it and specifically what they said for the guest who is very uh, keen to facts, but I don't. The media reported this, and and I only know what the media has reported, that there were experts, cyber experts, who have pretty much did say that they were Russian um, leaks, um, hackers, that produced the WikiLeaks emails. That's what we, we know based on how the leaks were reported online, they said that that is what and how the Russians usually hack documents, okay? That's, that's the only thing that I know. I don't know anything beyond that, but your guest seems to, to know a lot about the specifics of debunking what has been reported, so he would know more about that than I would. Okay. okay. Um, so, gentlemen, we have another caller on the line. Let's see what this caller has to say, if anything. Caller, thank you for joining us. Um, sure, Do you have sure, a no comment? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to find out if anybody has any hard facts at all to back up anything that they say, other than the speculation. Of... No. No, okay. we were not in the room. Like in the play Hamilton, we were not in the room where the decisions were being made. We're not. Everybody has an opinion, and everybody should have something to back up their opinion. Now, most people do not have 24-carat gold, solid proof, smoking gun evidence of whatever they say. But Right, unless you have, oh, let me just say this, unless you have a tape, like in the case of Trump, speaking in his own words, right. talking about how he assaulted women. Well, so, you know, wait a minute, he didn't even say that he that assaulted we know. Okay, but here's the thing. That's most the fact. Of, it's a fact that there's a tape. There's a, it's a fact that uh, Trump had said what he had said. But the thing is, most of the women who decry, oh, how horrible he is, are probably married to men who said worse shit. Okay. Oh. Well, let, let's, let's just flip the script just for a second. But can, I, mean, can I just say one thing? No, 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 boy, boy, let me just say this one before you cut it. I'm going to let you jump in. But we have a gentleman that's going to court right now, Bill Cosby. Yeah. much... He didn't do anything as, as vile as this man who is now going to be the president of the United States, and he's losing everything. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did it, wait a minute. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said that Bill Cosby <laughs> never did anything as vile as a guy, namely Trump, who said, grab them by the pussy. But the, art, but the, but the allegations against it. Cosby are that he rape-dated, uh, date-raped yeah. several women. Well, listen, those are allegations that no one can back up, but... Trump, in his own words, said what he did. And now 12 women have come out to say... I'm, and three I'm of them the... have recanted. But this is the... Well, well, so hold on. Hold on. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. So, so, so why, do you, why, do you, why do you believe the Bill Cosby women? And why do you disbelieve that the women that are claiming against Bill Cosby, but then you're quick to believe the women that are claiming against Trump? There's no take of Cosby bragging about what he did. Well, we, know, know, okay. we know that on tape. Wait, wait, hold on. There is a tape of Bill Cosby. It's Bill Cosby. Go look it up on YouTube. It's called Bill Cosby and, and, and Spanish Fly. Look it up. He did a whole comedy routine about drugging women and having sex with them. What are you talking about, ma'am? But let's, let's not conflate issues. Let's not conflate issues. There's enough dirt on Donald Trump. We don't have to conflate issues. Let's talk, so about, we the, know, let's talk about the dirt on Donald Trump. Trump what we know is that Donald talk. Trump was on tape, and it wasn't locker room talk. He was talking to Billy Bush, and he said, quote, you just grab him by the pussy. That yeah, he's is talking about that he likes to grab women. By the pussy. That's and he also said, you if can't you're grab a, women right. by the genitals. Right. And he also said in the same sense, if you are a celebrity, you can get away with something like that. He didn't say that he Pat, grabbed he women by the pussy. I'm not saying that he didn't. The only thing I'm questioning are people's logic. When you can believe one thing that somebody says and not believe the similar allegations made by somebody else, and you don't know who um, allegation A is or allegation B is, but you're selectively um, saying, well, B's better than A. That's but my only it, point. I guess I'm, I stand corrected. Trump is not a liar when it comes to what he said on tape to Billy Bush. He said celebrities can get away with it, and he is a television celebrity, and he is getting away with it, whereas Cosby, an 80-year-old man who's being drugged through the mud, by allegations that supposedly taken place 20 years earlier, um, and this is just unfair. And I don't understand how you, as African American men, can support someone who you know if you did the same thing that he said he did, and if someone just accused you of doing it, and you don't have to say it on tape, your butt would be locked up under the jail. Ma'am, it's because this is how men talk. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but when you get around men and there's just men around and there's no women anywhere. This is how guys talk all the time. I don't know if you knew this. And as I said, the girls that are accusing Trump, well, the girls not not just accusing Trump, but the girls that are getting all upset over Trump are married to guys who said worse crap than Trump. That's what I'm trying to say. That's why men are are not surprised by what Trump said at all. It's not about what he said. It's about what he said he did. It's a difference about about what you want to do to somebody versus as to what okay, you so what is it that he... Okay, let's say he did this. Let's say he assaulted 12 women, 20 women throughout his lifetime. Again, um, you're believing allegations made by women about uh, what Trump did to them. Possible? No, it's not sure. The, it's what he said. It's not the women. It's what he said. And the what women confirmed what he said. 
Okay, we can okay. move on. We don't have to stay right. on that because okay. you know, you know, the truth will set everybody free. Uh, Zion, do you have anything to say before well, I hold say on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you move on, you, she made she made a statement talking about as an African American. Well, how would you feel? Let's remember, just go back a couple of years ago, Kobe Bryant had a similar accusation where a woman in Colorado claimed he raped her. He went to he went to court and he was proven innocent. So just because you're white or black or whatever doesn't automatically mean that if a woman makes a sexual allegation against you, that it's going to stick. So I don't know, I don't know where that logic came from. No, he, he, he benefited from celebrity culture. He said that if you are a celebrity, you can get away with it. And you know why they can get away with it? Because there are women who do not mind being grabbed by the pussy or by the tits when they're trying to climb up the ladder. As a matter of fact... They are it's trying to get love. themselves into position so that they can get grabbed by the pussy. Now, so you're telling me the 13-year-old at the team, at his Team USA pageant, the 13-year-old that was in the locker room getting dressed for the dressing room, getting dressed, and he would, he told Howard Stern that that was one of the perks of being the owner of the pageant, that he could walk through the uh, dressing room and look at these girls. Girls, little girls, and there's a 13 year old that is accusing him, accusing him of being, um, of raping him, along with his convicted friend. There's a 13 year old accusing. Hold on, hold on. Now, now, you guys saw what she just did right there. That's called, that's called genetic gymnastics. So she went and took one clip where he talked to Howard Stern about seeing women who are getting undressed during the Miss USA pageants. And then she took the allegation that the 13-year-old made, and then she tried to combine it by saying he walked through a locker room of 13-year-old girls while they were getting undressed. Now, those are two separate things all together. No, but you're, you're, making the, you're, you're bringing it together as if to make it sound like Trump was walking through a locker room with 13-year-old girls undressing. That's what you just did. Let us say for argument's sake, that everything that he right. did, two women looking at the 13-year-olds. He didn't say he touched them, but looking at them is kind of a sleazy thing. But he never said anything about looking at 13-year-olds. That's, that's the right, assumption she that made. The table. Let's just she say, just totally made that up right now. Okay, let's just take that <laughs> off the table then. Let's okay, just say that whatever he did, that whatever the press talked about was true. What has that got to do with him being a normal guy and being any different than what Hillary Clinton has done as a normal woman being a career politician for 30 years? Donald Trump is the new president, and we have to deal with it, and we have to accept it, good, bad, ugly, and let's be honest, who we have and what, how do we move forward. But we can't be in denial. Well, so if Hillary Clinton no. had won, now you talk, you talk about Trump lying. Had Hillary Clinton won, would you be talking about all the lies that Hillary Clinton told? Or would that would have been, or you would have said, oh, that doesn't matter anymore, right? I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. I've been through with Hillary ever since she brought up the word assassination when she was running against um, uh, Barack. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not uh, really sure Oh, my gosh. So, so then, listen, so why are you tripping about that? If you didn't want Hillary Clinton to win, about, you don't like Trump, then it doesn't even matter, right? You, it doesn't even matter either way for you. It, it, it does matter to me because whoever is the president has to be held accountable for their actions. 
And we don't even know if he's going to even make it to the White House with these types of um, criminal activities. Let's say this. Let me say this. Trump bragged about yep. how much media coverage he got and how much little little money he had to pay for all of this. The, uh, because the he used social media. Oh. He had over 20 million followers on Twitter. And he knew because he's a marketing master. That's how he makes his money. He doesn't make his money building uh, real estate that much anymore. He built. He makes his money you know by that. lending, by having his name licensed. He's a master showman. Make he, America great again, i.e. Donald Trump. Donald does. Why do you think he but, won't? Well, he well, hasn't done anything that. great again. He hasn't done. He has. He has no proof here in New Jersey, in Atlantic City. His casinos between him and Christie, the two of those, and I would have to say the two of those clowns, they have tore up New Jersey from the floor up. I mean, there's nothing. Okay, hold on. That, that's a different point. What? Okay, show us one of his economic policies or plans that you can point to to say that's not going to work for America, that's not going to benefit the economy. Roy, 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 tell him. Does he have a plan, Roy? He doesn't have economic policy. There are a couple of reasons why America has been suffering for years. If Trump is going to do what he says he's going to do, he's going to cut out those kind of obstacles and make it easier for everybody here on the line who has an ambitious brain to go out there and at least try to start a business without having to, without having to jump through 30 hoops. That, to me, is a pretty good jump start for America to build up the middle class through small businesses. I find that pretty good. Well, let's let's go back to history, and we're and they're about to make you a movie black? about Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street was being built in several, and there's several hundreds of Black Wall Street throughout history in the late 1800s and the several early 1900s. Hundred. Oh my gosh! You're, you're gonna, oh my gosh! You're gonna talk about Black Wall Street from the 1920s, ma'am? This is 2016. How could that possibly be relevant to our discussion? No, it can be relevant, but I, I just like to know about the number. I know about the one in Tulsa. I'm only saying this to let you know that you don't need a white savior in Donald Trump to save black Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. Mom, you just, you just discarded yourself completely from even being in the discussion. Whenever, if anybody knows about black businesses being regulated and over-regulated, it's the African-American community, the African-American entrepreneurs that came out of the the um, era of Booker T. Washington, who is the king of self-reliance. So we don't need oh my a, God. A to come to a, a second-generation immigrant to come to America to tell African Americans how to start business. Okay, but can I ask we, you what what's the oh, point? I'm sorry. You, hold on, hold on. We, we can't we can't let her make that kind of a stupid statement and then just pretend like it's all good. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Look, I, I know about the the burning of, um, of oh, burning yeah, the burning and the bombing of uh, black what was it Black Wall Street back in the 1920s. I also know about the one that was in Tulsa. There was another one in Rosewood. Uh, we had them in Rosewood. Yeah, right. Um, we had we had many towns. All Ferguson, that the town, the town um, that created Ferguson was an all black prospering town, and they pushed them. They had the airport. They had the hospitals. They had everything they needed. Until they got pushed into Ferguson because of the land that they owned. All around Tulsa, there was black oil wells. Um, that was, yeah, in the 1920s. You're right. I read about the black. Yeah, and I'm sure now you're going to sit here and try to talk about, 
oh, it's this thing or that thing. We know what happened. It was white nationalists with the Democratic Party that went in and disarmed black people through the black codes in the South, which had allowed them to run roughshod, lynch people, and destroy black communities and black businesses.